Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. One of our recent uh, Saturday morning prayer breakfasts for men, um, there was a question that came up, and I actually knew the answer to it. That isn't always the case. There are times I have to say, uh, I, I guess I don't really know. And actually, if you'd asked me this question even the week before, uh, I'm not so sure I would have had a good answer. Uh, but I'd been studying this uh, Psalm, Psalm 86, in preparation for this Sunday, and so it was kind of fresh in my mind that the question that was asked was this, what is supplication? Do you know? What does that word mean for you? Uh, how many of you think you know what it means here? I'm not going to call on you, anybody, so you don't have to worry. Okay, well then let me explain. Um, You know, the earlier scripture we read, for instance, in Philippians chapter 4, it included this wording. It said, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known to God. So so what's the difference between prayer and supplication? Is there a difference? Well, first of all, what is prayer? Um, Prayer is simply talking to God silently or out loud from our hearts. That's what Luther's Catechism tells us. Um, Talking to God can include saying thanks to him or praising him or even just expressing our feelings to him about something in life or it can also involve making requests of him. Supplication always involves making requests and it also expresses the manner in which we do that. Uh, Supplication then is the action of asking or begging um, for something earnestly or humbly. Another definition, to, to plead humbly, entreat someone in power to help or, or for a favor. <clears throat> so Psalm 86 is a prayer of supplication. It's an earnest plea to God for help, and, and so this psalm then has several humble requests made of God here. And, and it's a fascinating dialogue with God here in, in which the psalmist then not only requests help, but over and over also then reasons with God about why he should grant his requests. And so if you might notice as we read through this psalm then that after each request, um, it's followed by the word for, for grant this request for this reason. Um, and, and, and I find it kind of refreshing uh, just, just how openly then David pleads his case with God and, and thus this psalm teaches us a freedom in prayer. At the same time as it reminds us just who it is we're talking to and what our basis is then for even making such requests of him. So I invite you to look with me at Psalm 86 and would you stand in reverence to God's word as we read through that today. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am afflicted and needy. Preserve my soul, for I am a godly man. O you, my God, save your servant who trusts in you. Be gracious to me, O Lord, 
For to you I cry all day long. Make glad the soul of your servant. For to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer and give heed to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble, I shall call upon you, for you will answer me. There is no one like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and they shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name, and I will give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with all of my heart, and will glorify your name forever. For your loving kindness toward me is great, and you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, arrogant men have risen up against me, and a band of violent men have sought my life, and they have not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abundant in loving kindness and truth. Turn to me and be gracious to me. O oh, grant your strength to your servant and save the son of your handmaid. Show me a sign for good that those who hate me may see it and be ashamed because you, O oh Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for this psalm, this prayer of David. And Lord, as we meditate on these verses today, we, we pray that you would teach us concerning prayer and that relationship we can have with you and how we can talk with you about whatever it is troubling our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. You might notice in your bulletin outline there, I kind of have four main focuses as we walk through this psalm. First of all, verses 1 through 7, they are, they are the suppliant's plea, the, the one who is making requests of God's plea. And the first part of that is, is this, incline your ear and answer me. The, the, the psalmist David pictures Almighty God as, as clearly being above him in heaven, and, and so he's asking God then to bend down and, and to listen to him. It's kind of like um, I have to bend down and listen to my little grandkids when they come to my house and make a request of me. And, you know, I, I bend down partly so that they know that I'm giving them my attention, but I also bend down because I'm getting a little bit hard of hearing. But David isn't suggesting that God is hard of hearing. He, he is recognizing that God is, is clearly above him, and he's asking then for God to so, bend down, so to speak, to, to give him attention and to answer his prayer. And notice with each request that David makes in these verses 1 through 7 here, he follows the request and with the statement of why he desires God to do so. And so incline your ear and answer me. Why? Because I'm afflicted and needy. David recognizes his situation as, as being really a little like a, a helpless little kid, uh, afflicted and needy, asking for help because he doesn't really know what else he can do. How about you? Do, you? do you ever feel that way? If so, then you will be able to identify with the rest of this prayer as, as well. So besides God bending down and listening to him, what else is David pleading for here? He says, preserve my soul. Save your servant. 
He's not even asking for physical relief here. But he's concerned for his eternal soul. And he's saying, Lord, preserve it. Keep me in a relationship with you, Lord. I am prone to wander. I am susceptible to the tricks of Satan and that can lead me away from God and put me back on the path to destruction. Lord, don't let that happen. Why? He says, I'm a godly man and I trust in you. And he's not bragging here in saying that, that, he, that he's a godly man. He knows he's a sinner, but he is one whose heart knows a relationship with God and trusts in him. What else does he plea to God for here? In verse 3, he says, be gracious to me. That, that is, Lord, please give me better than I deserve. And, and one reason he states that here is, is this. He says, I, I cry to you all day long. This desperate prayer for help isn't some sort of a flash of emotion, but it's a continual heart cry day in and day out, Lord, help me. What, is, what else does David plead to God for here in verse 4? He says, make glad the soul of your servant. That is, lift me out of this, this depressed state. Bring joy back into my life. It's been missing for a while. And now why does he ask God to make his soul glad? Well, it's because nobody else can do that. Only God can deal with the things that are weighing his soul down. And David knows that, and so he goes to the only one who can help him, and he prays, I lift up my soul to you, O God. I know three things about you, God, here he says. I know that you are good. God is always good. I think what it tells us in 1 John 1, 5, where it says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And that means then that God always acts in accordance with what is right and true and good. Goodness is his very nature, and he cannot do otherwise. And so he says, I know about you, God, that you are good, and also that you are ready to forgive. You know, if we're honest, we humans aren't always ready to forgive. Sometimes we tend to hold on to some resentments towards some people that sin against us. But God, in his goodness, stands always ready to forgive us. No matter how many times we have sinned against him. And that is amazing. It's mind-boggling to think of. And so there is then no better reason for us sinners to pray than knowing that about God. That even when we have rebelled against God and his word and our conscience is now then weighed down with our sins and our failures, God stands ready to forgive if we will just admit our sins. And I love what it tells us in 1 John 1 where there's this promise and if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We sung a bit ago this familiar hymn what a friend we have in Jesus. And you know, I've sung it so many times before, and yet it was just the other day, I, I guess I was listening to it on a CD, and it, and it struck me. What we're singing in the first verse there. What a friend we have in Jesus. All, our, all my sins and griefs to bear. He bears them all. When Jesus died on the cross, the, the penalty of our sins was fully paid. And he bore that penalty in his body on the cross. And so when we come to him with our sins, we can come knowing there's forgiveness, knowing he has secured that for us on the cross. David the psalmist says to God, you are good, you are ready to forgive, 
and you are abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon you. That, that is, there are no limits of how many people he will forgive. He will forgive all who call on you. But, but notice with that then, in, in order to have a relationship with God, in order to know his forgiveness, we do have to pray. We, we have to call on him. And then he promises it's forgiven. There's one more plea I see here in those first verses uh, that David has here. And he says, give ear to my prayer and give heed to my voice. Why? He says, well, in the day of trouble, I'm going to call on you. And why am I going to do that? It's because you will answer me. David, David knows that to be true. When we call on him, he will answer us. He will provide help. And so before we go on in verse 8 here then, do you see that pattern that is there in David's prayer? Do you, do you hear that reasoning with God that's going on in that, in that pleading tone that is there? But, but recognize about that, it, it's not a hopeless plea at all. It is a request to one he knows can and will help him. Let's go on to verse 8 to 10 there. And there we see then a, a glimpse of the sovereign one to whom he makes these pleas. And what does he tell God that he believes about him here? Um, really, the, what you see in those verses is, are, are words of praise to God. And, and he says there in verse 8, there, there is no one like you, nor are there any works like yours. You know, that sounds a bit like somebody in love, doesn't it? No one compares to you, dear. The things that you do are so awesome. But, but it goes way beyond that. As he recognizes what mighty works God has done. And he says there in verse 9, You made all the nations, and they will bow in worship of you. Not only has God created mankind, you see, but, but he has shaped them also then into people groups. And he put rulers in place over them. And he established the boundaries of those nations and so on. And though some of those nations don't recognize God's sovereignty over them, yet, yet one day... They will. And he's saying that. They will all bow before you, Lord. Verse 10, you alone are God. You are great and you do wondrous deeds. There may be leaders of nations who are impressed by their own power and their own supposed authority, but they are nothing compared to you, God. <clears throat> this last week, we uh, <clears throat> sent our son Josiah off to uh, Washington, D.C. area as he's going to be stationed at Fort Myer there, which is just behind Arlington National Cemetery. And from there then, he will be able to look across the river and he will see this 555-foot tower that is there um, that was built in honor to our first president, the Washington Monument. Maybe many of you have seen that before too. It was completed, I didn't realize this, but way back in 1884. <clears throat> it's the tallest structure in Washington, D.C., and, and uh, there's no building is allowed to be built taller than it. And there's reason behind that. And you never get to see this, but on top of that building, there's an aluminum top to it, and, and engraved on that are these words, two Latin words, laus Deo, that is, praise be to God. The choice of those words is based on, on a prayer of George Washington for America. 
And in that prayer, he clearly recognized our dependence as a nation on Almighty God for protection and, and for right attitudes of heart toward each other and towards the leaders of our land and so on. And then he ends that prayer with these words. <clears throat> Grant our supplications. We beseech thee through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And then he adds, Laus Deo. That is, praise be to God. And so that's what's on top of the Washington Monument. And Washington was recognizing then the God who made all the nations and before whom all those nations will bow. And he's saying, praise to him. As we look at verses 11 through 13 here, <clears throat> we, we get a little glimpse into the heart attitude then of, of the suppliant. Uh, in, in light of what David knows about God, he makes a couple requests that really reveal his own heart desire. <clears throat> and, and he says in verse 11, teach me your way and I will walk in your truth. And, and Think of it now, David is a king himself over the nation of Israel. It has grown tremendously under his leadership. But, but he recognizes that God can rule this nation better than he can. And that God's ways are better than his ways. And God's purposes are higher than his purposes, which are so often shaped by selfishness. And so he prays here, teach me your way, O Lord. I want to walk in your truth. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, that our nation's leaders, too, would pray a prayer like that. Teach me your way, O Lord. But they're not the only ones that need to be taught God's way. May that be our prayer, too. And David also prays a very interesting thing concerning his own heart. There you see it in verse 11 and 12. Then he says, Unite my heart to fear your name, and I'll give thanks to you with all of my heart and glorify your name forever. I find that Unite my heart, an interesting thing to pray. And as I thought about being united, there's a picture that came to my mind about something I attended just a couple weeks back. I went to something called the Orange Spectacular. Now, I'm guessing most of you have never heard of this, but I know that many of you folks are quite aware that there's been this friendly argument that's gone on between Pastor Dale here and some of the farmers in the area that, that, that uh, drive stuff with green paint on. And uh, the question is, which is better, and, and uh, red or green? And uh, you see a lot of both of them out in the fields around here. People are divided as to which one really is better. And so, you know, it's, I think it's interesting. If you go to Rolog um, on Labor Day weekend, you're going to see plenty of both colors there, and a few other colors as well. <clears throat> But if you go to Hutchinson, Minnesota for a weekend in July, which is what I did, you, you will only see orange paint. Orange Spectacular is kind of a mini rolog celebrating only Alice Chalmers. And every tractor that's on display there has orange paint on it. And everybody's only talking about Alice Chalmers. They're all united in this whole weekend. It's all about that. It's all dedicated to orange. Well, you and I have a not-so-friendly argument that is going on inside of us. And our old nature is bent on sin and rebelling against God and living for self. But we who are Christians also have been given a new nature that, that longs to serve God and, and serve others. 
And, and the two are constantly at war. And, and so we have then a divided heart. And what David is praying here is this. Unite my heart to fear your name. And I'll give thanks to you, O Lord, with all of my heart and glorify your name forever. Why? Because your loving kindness toward me is great. And you've delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. You've rescued me from hell itself. And for that, I am forever grateful. And I want to live my life then for you in return. There's one more concern I have, though, Lord. And in the last verses, he brings this up. that There are people who absolutely despise me and my belief in you. And so they despise you too. And so in verses 14 to 17 here, he brings up the concern of the scornful around him. And he says, Arrogant men have risen against me and against you, Lord. You know, David encountered times when his own people, even his own son, rose up with a desire to usurp the throne. And there were times when they ridiculed him and his faith in God. <clears throat> you know, if, if we today stand for what is right in this world, in this world where, where morals have been turned upside down and where wrong is declared right and right is declared fundamentalist Christian and dangerous to society, we too then are going to encounter at times being ridiculed and possibly persecuted in other ways as well. And we need to recognize that when those arrogant people react to us, it's quite likely they ultimately are rebelling against God and his word and refusing to deal with him. And David states here about that, a band of violent men have sought my life, and they have not set you before them. As we come to the end of this psalm, we see David reminding himself what God is like and telling that back to God. And he says in verse 15, But you, O Lord, are merciful and gracious and slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness and truth. No matter what the rest of the world does, I want to remember that. And I can't change the rest of the world, but Lord, I can let you change me. And so he says, turn to me and be gracious to me and show me a sign for good. Show me something today, Lord, that, that reminds me that you're with me and that you're listening to me and hearing and answering my prayer. And, and why is that? He says, so that those that hate me might see it and might be ashamed. And, and David is praying then that his daily living out his faith in, in God um, and, and God blessing him as he does will, will then expose the ungodly for, for what they are and that they will be ashamed, that is that they will be disappointed in what they've been trusting in and they'll turn to God. And so here in this psalm we have David's prayer of supplication. It starts with pleading, for God for, or pleading with God for help, remembering who God is and praising him as the one who's above it all. And then asking God to teach him and to unite his divided heart to fully live for him. And then asking God to deal with his enemies and expose those that are against God himself. How about you today? What is your plea to God? And what has this psalm reminded you about God? And how does remembering those things then encourage you in your heart response to him? Let us pray. <clears throat> 
Lord, I thank you for the Psalms. They are so rich in uh, vivid description of personal experience of David and others, Lord, that, that knew a relationship with you and struggled through various things in life. And, and Lord, because of that, we can relate as well. And you know each one of us. You know the things that are on our hearts. And, and there are things that uh, maybe we have voiced, maybe you've hesitated to voice, Lord, but, but we have pleas that we would make of you when we recognize that you are there, you are you're waiting to hear us pray, you are um, ready to forgive us if we have sinned, and if that is standing in the way of our relationship with you, Lord, we thank you that we can come to you and, and know that there's forgiveness because of the cross of Jesus Christ. And, and we pray, Lord, that you would help us to live our lives in this world, and, and that we would be willing to live in relationship with you and, and let you teach us what is right and, and how to live and, and not worry about what those around us would say of that. Um, but Lord, give us boldness to, to be willing to live for you. And we pray that in the process there would be those that, that see it and it makes a difference in their lives. They, they would recognize the, the, the lack they have of a relationship with you and, and how they need that and they would turn to you. Uh, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.